is a certain amount of paranoia actually helpful in your business? That's an interesting question because paranoia is obviously one word that would be more negatively connotated and people don't really think it would be a strength. However, as, as John and Amber discuss in this episode, there seems to be a few advantages to paranoia. Because if one's paranoid, they're usually really aware of their surroundings. Not maybe to a healthy point, but they're hyper aware of their surroundings. John and Amber dig into a conversation here where they try to find the sweet spot of where paranoia meets sustainability. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Actually, the example that he, um, that Andrew used in this book, Only the Paranoid Survive, I thought was really fascinating. And Amber, I think you'd appreciate this. So it's like he was talking about how like a lot of businesses in the computer industry initially were very vertical, as in they not only manufactured all their own like components for the computers, they assembled them. They also had their own stores and they also had a full sales team. So they were very vertical, as in all the different aspects of their business, they were, uh, they controlled. Whereas what you, what you saw was a big disruption to that, right? So, uh, companies no longer made like, I mean, Intel made their own processors, right. And their own memory chips. Whereas like, so now companies had to like use them, right. Because they were just so much more advanced because they were able to double down and, and just create way more innovative products because that's all they did versus all like they didn't have to spread their resources across all these different uh, avenues you think of like radio shack best buy like future shop all these companies that ended up all ultimately end up being the retailers right they were ultimately the salesmen for for the front um you look at like dell dell assembled computers but they didn't make any of the components they just they just put them together yeah they have like toshiba batteries in them and stuff like that yeah Yeah. so it's it's really interesting to like think you know and and one of the few exceptions to this really was apple where they i think they're like the only like they were one of the few businesses that really kind of still kept pretty vertical and that was like pretty insane that they actually like made it work but um, but you can think about like how like uh, like things can change within a marketplace. Like retail, for example, we've seen changes to retail, right? Like clearly, there's a change that happened, right? Sears missed it. Yeah. And it probably was due to the lack of paranoia. They were too comfortable on the on the road they were on, right? So the, the book title. By the way, if you're listening, welcome to the weekly call. Uh, you got Amor in Toronto, John BC. We're just talking about a book that uh, John is reading. 
Only the Paranoid. No, I, I finished it. It's called the Only the Paranoid Survive. It's actually, it's a very small book. You can finish it in like a day. It's crazy. I really liked it. It's interesting too, because I think he wrote it like, I want to say like in the early 90s. I, I don't remember. I think it was like, I might even might have even been in the year I was born, 96. And the mm. internet was just kind of founded at that, like, you know, it was, it was still in its early. He was talking about whether or not he thought the internet was a fad Whoa. in the book. And he explained how the internet... Uh, he was talking about how the internet will change the retail business back mm. in the 90s and yeah, how he yeah. thought that was gonna be a huge disruption, right? And uh, he actually, he didn't mention Amazon, but I'm pretty sure he was like alluding around it because he did mention in the beginning of the book that he was gonna like talk about businesses, but because he was a board member or an investor, he didn't want to like get involved in like doing disclaimers and things like that. So he was just gonna <laughs> very vaguely talk about things. I'm pretty sure he was talking about Amazon because he was talking about how, you know, it was really gonna disrupt inventory because you think about it like a department store like sears i mean think about just what a logistics nightmare that would be to have things in stock at a specific location versus amazon i mean of course their logistics would be nuts as well but the i mean uh, if you look at like early which amber i'm sure you've even seen these interviews like jeff bezos when he first started and he's talking about why he thought he was going to dominate in the bookstore industry it was because he's like yeah an average bookstore has like you know x amount of books we have like 25x amount of books on our catalog because you can just order it online mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. yeah yeah he was goofed around in that episode he's like being interviewed and uh, by this guy who's like talking down on him it was the weirdest interview i've ever seen he was talking down to jeff bezos it was like <laughs> yeah it, little it, did that guy know right jesus man this guy can buy his whole family you know it's just like yeah well, there's yeah. a lot of conversations. It's interesting, like, as humans, like, I mean, essentially what the book was talking about was um, was inflection points within your business, okay? And an inflection point is just merely the cusp. So it's like when things start changing, right? And do you notice them or not, right? Because it, if you miss I, I, them... Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It's interesting, though, because, like, like, here's... You know what's another industry that I thought was... That was really fascinating that just totally failed to pivot was boxing and i think there's actually interesting enough there's actually almost an exact moment on live tv where we saw that inflection point and it was when joe rogan yeah joe rogan was debating a boxing promoter and and joe was saying dude your industry is gonna die like this is way more entertaining no one cares about boxing anymore like ufc like in mma is like the way to go and this guy was like no you don't know you're talking about like boxing is like you know gonna win that's almost like exactly that moment where it's like dude this guy who's like a boxing promoter had no idea but this guy joe who like you know he's just an outsider he's like dude no like like look at like i i'm a boxing fan i'm also a fan of ufc i'm telling you right now like you're in the wrong side of this and, and, and Andrew was talking about how it, it does take um, an outsider typically uh, to see these changes, right? Like the executives are like, they're just too high up in the clouds. They don't necessarily see these things. Whoa, yo, I'm running this down. That's actually um, gold. Yeah, dude, you know what's another thing too is he talked about how like you want your business to be not only top down, but bottom up. Like you want ideas flowing from both ends, which I, I'm not going to take. I, I mean, I think this is such a brilliant thing. And uh, I actually got the same lesson from the book, uh, The Fish That Ate the Whale, uh, about um, Sam the Banana Man, where he talks about how it's like, look at like your troops, they're on the front lines, like your employees, like the, your, your salesmen, like your, your 
your you know your uh, basic retailers like the guys that are right on the front lines those people know the best right like typically those people will see trends before everyone else and i'll, I'll give you a really funny example actually i mean I, this wait is, what's the name of the book just, again paranoia is which the one way. uh only the paranoid survive by oh. andrew grove it's a really good book but um I'll give you an wow. example of this. I went into, I still haven't like given into the online shopping for various reasons. But oh, so dude, I, I don't have an Best, Amazon. I don't have an Amazon account yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So I went into, I went into Best Buy and I wanted to buy like, like a Kindle or something like that. It was like a, it was like a, like some sort of like reading device. And I sure, wanted sure, to sure. feel it. Cause it's like, there's, you know, there's specific reasons why I was like, okay, I'll consider this. Cause like the fact that I could pack around like multiple books, that was sort of appealing versus like just bringing one. Um, there's a feature on them that, that ultimately still hasn't been fixed that I, you can't finger track with a, with a, when those, it'll flip the page on you. You can't lock the page? No, dude. I know. Isn't that the craziest that's thing? That's like that the easiest thing added? to fix. I know. I, I, I know. It's, it's crazy that that's not, anyway, point being, I went to the store and I asked the guy, I said, Hey, like, can you lock the page? Blah, 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 blah. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, you have to just go online. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. Like, I, he's like, I don't know. I was like, aren't you like the salesman here? And he's like, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, ultimately like most of our customers just buy online. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, this dude doesn't even like, he know he knows it already, but this store is like, not like, <laughs> like if that, if that's the response of your frontline people, it's like, dude, I'm not investing in Best Buy. <laughs> like I know their stock has been doing well, but I'm thinking to myself, dude, like that is not <laughs> like wow. this, this guy knows, right? This guy knows. Right? So that bottom up introduction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like speaking to the people at the bottom, like, you know, like uh, they think about like even within a painting business, right? Like, you know, your painters will know firsthand whether or not your customers were happy or you know, what they want or, you know, things like that. It's not always easy for you. I mean, if you're yeah. distant, right? Yeah, but John, I have a, I have a problem with this idea because it makes sense to me. Only the paranoid will survive. But it seems like the book is indirectly saying that in order for you to be really successful, you must always, in business, in running a business, you must all, almost always be paranoid. How's that, like, fun? Where's the peace of mind on this? Well, I think the title kind of says it all. Only the paranoid survive. Yeah, and? Well, it's it's not, it's not like, I mean... That's a, that's that, a very... It's not, it's, not, it's not only the paranoid prosper... It's only the paranoid survive. Oh, interesting. Right? Like, it's longevity. Here's an interesting one. This is a stat that I thought was just so fascinating. Um, this is, so, <clears throat> this was a stat. It was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the stat a little bit, but, like, the gist of it's true, okay? okay. It was something like, um, of the uh, top 200 richest people in America in, uh, in the 80s, I think this is a Warren Buffett quote but anyway of the top 200 people in uh in the 1980s guess how many of those same people were on the list in the 2000s oh interesting oh god i really hope most of them uh this is only like a 20 year period take in mind yeah 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 you know i'm just gonna go pessimistic i'm saying like 15 percent. so that would be like so 30 people, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess. Okay, so 30. So here's the interesting thing. So like the people on this list, where where this discussion was talking about it was that concentration typically 
um, uh, results in a quicker rise, right? So diversification typically dilutes your return, but it's it's more stable and it's safer in the long run. Correct. But like by constant by by concentrating. You know, you look at like the richest people in the world. Typically, they got rich from one thing, right? Correct. Most of their wealth was concentrated in one business. So the rise and fall of that business would determine their wealth. Like you look at someone like Jeff Bezos. I'm, I, I don't know his portfolio, but I, I imagine most of the, his $160 million is in Amazon stock. Billion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, billion, 160 billions, yeah. So it's in that stock, meaning as like the stock of that, the the price of that stock fluctuates, like that's directly uh, proportionate to his, his wealth. So anyway, so it was talking about how when you concentrate, you might rise fast, but then it's also not very stable in the long run. Out of the 200 people that were on the you know, rich list in the 80s to 2000, there was less than 16 oh. people, not wow. 16%, 16 people. So less than 10%. Yeah, that's 8%. We're still on that list. I mean, the, the obvious answer would be, well, if you get really rich, you just liquidate everything. And then just well, it's buy, not as easy as doing that, I don't think. I mean, there's, buy there's, real estate. there's probably reasons for that. But, well, but hold on. But I mean, like, if you really believe in something, why would you sell stock, right? Like, have you ever seen the movie to, Gold? I was about to say. Have you ever seen the movie Gold? No. With Matthew McConaughey? Is it good? Dude, okay, there's okay, there's two scenes in that. Well, there's one scene in that movie that I thought was so like. Are there spoilers? Um, yeah, actually, this is kind of a huge spoiler. To be honest, yeah, it's too bad. But it's is so it powerful? So, so here's the question to you: Do you think it's worth the watch for this? Yeah. Same oh yeah. Scene? Yeah. There's okay, this okay. one scene. There's this one scene where he talks about. Don't I spoil it. It would ruin it. Yeah. It would ruin it. But there's okay, this okay. one I'll scene, I'll watch the though. movie. I'll watch it. There's this one scene. I'll, 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 you, okay, I'll you, just so you know, there's this one scene where he talks about why something happened, and he talked about, um, and he was getting interviewed. It's like, it's that scene there where it's like, it, it tells the whole movie. And it's interesting because, you know, um, like, of those 16 people, I have to wonder, like, I almost would want to know which people they were. I would imagine that there's some level of paranoia there where, like, these people were still had that fight for their life mentality, you know? And I think, you know, I think even I have... That's insane. I have I an aspect of that, like... Do you remember, I think I told you, like, I was going to method act last year. I mean, I didn't end up doing it because I didn't want to, like, look like a crazy person. But I think I was told you I was going to, like, show up to training and, like, say, yeah, yeah like, my name's John Morgan, first-year franchisee. Like, I was going to go forth yeah. and, like, hey, Corey, how, thank you so much for the opportunity. Like, nice to meet you. Like, I because I really wanted to get in that mindset of, like, this is my first time doing this, right? Mm. And, and, and like, I always say to uh, Jordan, uh, the, the VP out West here, I always say like, you know, like, oh boy, what a joy it would be to be a rookie again, because everything's new to you. You have so much growth in front of you. Right. And, but like, you can always have that mentality. And I think that's like a part of like the book was, was only the paranoid survive. Like you're always in a constant um, fight for survival. And in the moment you just sort of rest, right. You're, you're at risk. We've talked about this, like with the Prince, remember, like always preparing, like, um, Lady Fortune will always attack those who are ill prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but know. but John, man, there's a voice in me that's saying, "Isn't this what the scarcity mindset is like? That it, it can be gone tomorrow." Yeah, I mean, what kind of life is that, that man? Just always being paranoid? Are you kidding me? That's not a life. 
So what if you had a billion dollars? If you had a billion dollars and no peace of mind, well, and you can't sleep because you're paranoid, you're going to lose your money tomorrow. What kind of life is that, man? Well, interesting enough. Okay, so I read a book recently that, like, again, it was one of those books where I, 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 I looked over, I said, sweetie, Trish was like, what? I'm like, I promise I'll never do this lifestyle, but, like, this, this is just too much. I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Oh, yeah. Dude dude fantastic dude. Book. <laughs> i don't i'm not convinced there's too much like i don't know I, I i've yet to like see like you know there's not too many nuggets of wisdom that have pulled out of the book per se but it's just an epic story it's super yeah. entertaining it's absolutely ludicrous like is there a movie what, I, not yet there probably will be um like probably like who, whoever did the big short should do that one shoe dog and, movie but know. But this is actually one of the things I wanted to ask you. It's like, yeah, what up? Because um, one of the big, like, sort of like pivotal questions that that Phil Knight kept asking himself as he grew Nike was, how much should he be valuing growth over equity, right? Like, because he was always at the risk of bankruptcy. Like, it's actually nuts. Right from like literally day one, he basically leveraged himself right to the nines. Like, he borrowed money from his dad. And right up until they went public, I mean, like it was insane. Like right before they went public, they almost went bankrupt. Like it was, but it was <laughs> always, it was always on the verge of bankruptcy. Like at one point they like, their bank told them like, dude, like we're shutting you guys out. Like we're freezing your bank accounts. Like you guys are done. And then, and then like, I don't want to ruin the story, but point being like, like it was just always, always like they had a zero cash balance. I remember at one point, like Elon really Musk funny, was, the, was the same thing for SpaceX, man. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm thinking about these stories, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's like, um, I see this strategy. Like a, another example would be like, um, like uh, Cortez. You know, the conquistador. The conquistador. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That, yeah. When like I think was it Montezuma? Spanish. I guess like yeah, like yep. he was a Spanish guy. Okay, here's you know that's like I think I mean I'm sure there's earlier examples, but that's like one of the first examples of. Uh, I mean, Napoleon kind of did it to some degree, but, but, uh, but anyway, Cortez, I guess Cortez would have been before that. Yeah. So anyway, um, Cortez like literally burnt the ships, mm -hmm. right? Like his guys wanted to go back to Jamaica. They're like, dude, let's go back there. Like, we were living like Kings. We were partying. Like, that's amazing. We can be Lords and landowners and slave. Like, let's just do that, man. And Cortez literally burnt the ships. He's like, yeah, I guess our only route now is to go to fucking Montezuma. Right. Right. Like that's like death that's ground. It, like, it's death ground, but like, I also think to myself, it's like, I feel like there's another another way of doing that that doesn't involve so much risk. Because for every Cortez, there was also a million guys that probably didn't even make it to the fucking man. I the continent. This this book, uh, only the paranoid will survive. Sounds to me like the direct opposite of think and grow rich. <laughs> yeah, but you know what though? I, I'll say this. I bet think and grow rich sold way more copies. Because like uh, like earlier see, you I said see. about how like yeah earlier you said something like along the lines of like uh, um, like they don't they don't tell you this right it's like think about the people that are trying to tell you that you can do it. Okay, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of them. dude, all the guys that are telling me that like like that are telling you like dude you need to be cautious like they're not making money from that pitch they're not selling anything. Right. I always, I, oh, I, yeah, I yeah, they're that. selling life insurance. What are you talking about? 
Mm, I mean, sure. I mean, that's not really where I was going with that. I, I meant like in the self, the help, the self help industry. It's interesting, like, like optimism, like you can do it, like you can, like it's like, like imagine there was like, like imagine like there was like a, a guy stand. I, I was every every single time we went grocery shopping today. Every single time I would go grocery shopping at Superstore, they have like this really big lotto booth, and every time I walk by it, I always joke to Trisha. I said, "Hey, there's the trade ten dollars for one penny booth." Mm. But the one guy that hits the lotto is like, oh yeah, man, like, you know, like, like it, it like everyone's like, I, I can do it too, right? I can't help but think that there's a survivorship bias to so much of these like business endeavors where it's like they're highly, highly risky, highly speculative. And like one dude makes it and then like 80 guys follow, right? But the yeah. people who actually get it's rich like the aren't the guys that actually go and operate the businesses. They're the ones that sell people on how to or the people who like, like they kind of like the similar the gold rush, you know. It's like the guys who got rich was like Vanderbilt. You know why Vanderbilt got so rich off the gold rush? He was transporting people to San Francisco, right? He got rich off that. He had he had like the mail contract, like for the U.S. government to transport wow. the mail and people. He owned like a, a bunch of like um, uh, canals and things like that, and like steamboats. Like that's where he got rich, or part of where he got rich. I mean, he got rich off the. Yeah. He got ultra. He got ultra rich from this from the railroads but but you know you think about the people like one of his business partners opened up a um like a bar in san francisco like during the gold rush that guy got super rich right but all, like one guy found gold and then all you got 80 idiots saying i'm gonna find gold too but none of them did right or well not all not none but yeah that's what i want to talk to you about that aspect of business like the whole like gold rush people getting making money from optimism irrationality is a prosperous business to be in yeah when when i when i got sold into the self-help thing is actually not from the optimism it was the opposite it was like oh amor how much are you leaving on the table i'm like oh i don't know i was like there you go you don't know how you're going to be leaving on the table and that that's how it sold me it's like okay well i don't know if i'm reaching my full potential so I was like paranoid. I'm gonna live my whole life at, at a disadvantage because I didn't fully explore what I'm capable of. You know what I mean? So I don't know if uh, optimism. Well, hold on, but like that's not so that that's that's um, that's kind of dodging what I was saying though. Because what I'm what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't go big and you should try and you know achieve your dreams. That's not what I'm I'm not saying that. And it seems like the people that like tote the optimism, the tote like the big odd like you know the like the risky endeavors are always talking about how it's like it's one or the other. That you either risk it all, burn the ships and fucking go for it, or you're a fucking loser. You're settling. It's like no, no, dude. There's there's clearly like multiple routes here. What's an example of this? Like I may be lost. Warren Buffett. What are you saying? Charlie Munger. They bought businesses that were undervalued. They didn't risk it. There was no. There was no crazy like. No, they, but who are the people saying you have market? to risk it all? Those guys are idiots. Who listens to them? A lot of people, clearly. What's an example of somebody who says you have to risk it all? Well, I mean, look at most of the self the, the self help gurus. I mean, most of them. That's ultimately what they're saying. Quit your job. Go online. Start an online business. Do this. Right. Do that. There's always, there's always another business they're trying to pitch you on. SMMA, um, 
you know, uh, when Airbnb was hitting off, like there was people that wanted to start agencies for that. Um, you know, there's there's all there's always another thing that's coming, like drop shipping that was huge, right? Yeah, but they, they they're all advertised as side hustles. They don't tell you to quit your job. They say mm. that you could quit your job. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty generous that's a pretty generous statement though towards these people. I mean, if you if you if you look into what they're actually pitching, a lot of that. But I mean, but I mean, it's not even just attacking that that specific genre because I mean that's that's the charlatans have always been around. But even just think about like um, a lot of the. Uh, like here's here's an interesting one. Okay, here's something, and, and I'm not saying that that the company I'm about to mention is a bad investment or anything like that. Like I'm, that's not my place. But I'm just gonna show a similarity that I that I that I was re- oh, I'm reading a lot. No, I'm reading okay. a lot. Um, I'm reading a lot right now on uh, like the '70s to like early 2000s, like business history, and I'm just enjoying that era. Like so, like mergers, acquisitions, tech stocks boom and bust cycles like it's just it's just a good time it's it's like you know the go-go years it's just a it's just the a interesting years. it's an interesting time man it was an interesting time and um nobody's getting that reference but uh the one of the interesting things which company was it now um i forget fuck i forget which company it is now oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um xerox Okay, so Xerox, interesting company, like super, super fascinating story. I mean, the fact that they were actually in the same town as Eastman Kodak, which was another huge company at the time, like they were both in this exact same town, like the two of the biggest companies in the world. It's just like, what's the odds, right? It's like this tiny little town. And, um, but anyway, so Xerox, of course, like just shot through the roof in value. Like it was just like an explosive, like a rocket ship to the highest stock valuation, right? Yeah. And there was this, there was like this Xeroxers. Like, so like a lot of people got like, were millionaires, like not overnight, but very close to um, because of Xerox. And they called them the Xerox millionaires, right? So there's a bunch of people that like all of a sudden like had a million dollars and like were super rich because of, of Xerox. And, and they just talked about how like how this was going on. And, and, and so other people, of course, wanted to buy in because they wanted to be Xerox millionaires as well. And it was like, it just kept pumping up the stock because everyone kept buying it, right? Because they heard about like, like, you know, your neighbor got rich off Xerox. You're like, fuck, I'll buy Xerox too. And then, and then you know, of course, if there's a buyer, there's a seller. So then, you know, it keeps going uh, sounds up. Sounds like Tesla to me. Dude. So I was reading this article in The Economist um, the other day and it was talking about Tesla errors. And I was like, what is that? Wait, what? And so I, I kept reading the article and it talked about how if you invested $5,500 five years ago into Tesla, you'd have a million dollars. And it had... It had the exact dollar amount you had to invest each of the last couple years to be a Tesla Nair. And it's like, oh, will you be the next Tesla Nair? And I was like, I'm like, oh my God. Like literally history just repeats itself, right? And, and of course there were stocks before that, that, you know, similar thing as well, right? There's, there was companies before Xerox that, you know, same, similar thing. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just fascinating. I just, I find these, like I said, I'm not one to say, um, I, I have no comment on on tesla as an investment but it just the similarities are interesting that's all yeah one of my uh, family friends made a lot of money off tesla and my dad well once he sells he will no he sold yeah he did okay okay and my dad was like oh that guy you know got lucky off tesla you know and then he's like kicking himself in the butt because he had the opportunity to also buy, but he didn't, you know. That's what I find fascinating. It's like well, these almosts, these almosts 
but where I was going with this though is that like what because where you what you said earlier was that like um only I uh, think it's like the opposite of think and grow rich, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I don't know if that's the case because I I think that I think that y- it seems like a part of the quick rise and like the the uh, it seems to be um, accompanied with increased risk, and it seems like with increased risk, there's like an increase in irrationality. And it seems like a bunch of irrationality can lead to very risky endeavors that can then like, you know, one in a million pays off, right? But it seems like you could go the opposite way and just promote rationality and you can get as much rationality as possible. And it seems like you can get the same outcome, but just in a much more stable, more predictable way. And it it seems like, yeah, I mean, obviously there's reasons as to why people might go down the irrational route. Um, I think one of them would be lack of education, right? Like not knowing the risks that you're taking would be a big, like would be a big factor. Like I wonder how many people that buy lottery tickets realize how much money they've spent on lottery tickets, right? Mm. Things like that. I I think there's this sort of binary effect in life where you can almost get the same result through two different extremely opposite ways. I think you can apply this to anybody. I think so and, too. Yeah. But I, so I, I was thinking about it. I said like, you know, like I said to church, I'm like, thank God for people like Elon Musk. Thank God for these people like Phil Knight. Like, you know, they just, they, they start these in these really incredible business journeys and things like that. But I wonder um, how many people that are trying to follow in that same suit realize, like, I, like what I, what I got from it was that like, I don't think like when I was reading Shoe Dog, I don't know if Phil really, I mean, there was certainly moments when he contemplated like, wow, this is a lot of risk, but like, I don't know if he fully grasped what the heck was going on. Yeah. He just went into it. Like he just did it. Right. And, 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 um, well, Elon was interviewed and they were asking him, you know, you just sold PayPal. You have 200 million in the bank. You can go buy like an Island and just live comfortably forever. Why go and literally hedge? He had to borrow money from his dad. For food. Yeah, rocket ship company, yeah. Yeah, put it into a rocket ship company and a car company. You know, a car company is really the worst company you can ever start and build. It's just like in terms of risk. And then also a space company, which has never been done. Uh, I mean, what's the point? Why do that? And then his answer was simple. It was like, if it's not me, then who else? Yeah, well, it's interesting too, right? I mean, you know, there was there was very similar arguments in the railroad industry, right? Like when railroads were popping up, everyone got it was railroad mania, steamboats as well, right? Um, but railroads and and it's interesting because I mean, most of the railroads ended up going bust, right? Like most of them didn't end up being successful. Car companies was the exact same thing, right? Like I mean, you know, I, I forget what the stat was. Warren always talks about it, like how many, like how many car companies exist and how many went bankrupt. It's like I think. Uh, well, you think, said this last time. I think I every think single Ford, company except, except two, for Ford. What, yeah, I think except, except Ford. I think Ford, and I, I think that might even have changed. Like, I think that like during 08, I think that might have. But I think Ford was the only company that had never filed bankruptcy. And that Car, might have even not even been, I might not even be the case by now. Car companies that never went bankrupt. Ford and Tesla are the only two American companies yeah. to avoid bankruptcy. Isn't that crazy? So it's like... Isn't that nuts? Oh, yeah, I'm just reading this. This is this is insane. And of course, Ford has track record where Tesla doesn't. So it's like, we'll see, right? 
where Aston Martin bankrupted seven times since 1913. Yeah, it's insane, right? Holy. Yeah. Rolls Royce is probably on its way out. I don't know, but it did say a Lamborghini was sold five times. Yeah. Since 1968. But, uh. So, inter- yeah. Uh, so, in- point being, interesting enough, um, I just, I, I find this whole, like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, like there was like this, uh, this article I was reading recently about like the difference between a businessman and an entrepreneur, you know, how like one creates the market and then one, uh, you know, operates the businesses within the market. And optimizes the market, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and optimizes it, yeah. Or, well, yeah. I don't know. I just think creating is more fun. You know, that's one thing we're ignoring like in this conversation. This is the one thing we're ignoring is like maybe Phil Knight is an adrenaline junkie. Maybe Elon just gets bored really quickly. <laughs> I mean, they make for good books. I mean, you know, I mean, this the slow and steady approach make for good books, too. I mean, Warren Buffett's book is fascinating, endlessly fascinating. I don't find yeah. Warren Buffett that interesting. Oh, man, I could read his shit for days. Oh, my God. I, I, I read both know. his books. I, re- I really read his, I read his, like, his biography twice. Like, I I read one, and I read another one. Like, like there is so, but then again, like, I, I also read Shoe Dog, and, like, 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 I couldn't put the book down. It was insane. Like, I, I, I was like, this is nuts. I kept, like, Trisha thought I was a madman. I just sat in the corner. I'm like, this is freaking nuts. I, I think this it's harder, and you may debate me on this. I think it's harder to be wealthy through the Warren Buffett route. Because going through the Warren Buffett route requires iron-like patience. Well, what do you mean? By, what do you mean by wealthy? Like, what's like? Okay, let's define that. Actually, what, what would you say? At like, what, what level of money would you consider? Okay, you're wealthy when your assets cover your expenses, like passively. When your assets' dividends pay off your expenses, I think that's that's wealth. That's wealth. When you're just money doesn't matter to you anymore. Yeah, but I mean that could literally be a million dollars then, because like you know forty fifty grand in yeah, dividends. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. That's wealthy. I think that's pretty wealthy. Well, now, now you can have you generational by, what do you mean wealth. By easier. What do you mean by easier? Well, I I think it's pretty damn hard to do what Warren Buffett did and just put your money in one place and have the discipline to not touch it, ever. Like, dude. That's like like 50,000 decisions that you're making over 50 years. And all of them have to say, well, no, no, I'm not Warren, pulling out Warren, the money. Well, it's interesting. Like Warren ta- uses, I think, two analogies that I really like. Um, one is that like you could imagine if you had a punch card with 20, like 20, like 20 slots on it and you could only ever make 20 investments. Like, what would those investments be, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but John, but once you make those 20 investments, you can't change them. You can't just pull out your money and put it somewhere else. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I think Charlie Munger talks about how he's like, uh, a lot of a lot of people would be richer if they could just learn how to sit on their ass. But, like, but John, you know how hard that is? It's, that's well, what, that's yeah, the point I'm it making. Is. It's like, it's well, people think it's on. just one... <laughs> The other, the other isn't. I don't know if the other is is much easier. But the other quote that I was going to say is that uh, Warren talks about how like um, investing sort of like baseball, but without strikes. Like as in, you only have to swing at the pitches you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the video, which I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, but do you get what I'm saying? Which is like someone like Phil Knight, 
or Elon Musk, they just have this one thing they're focusing on, and it's like a battle. You know, they're very short-sighted. They're ADD. They have ADHD. They just want to work on this one thing, and they yeah. have, I think, a lot more control over it because they're doing something. They're like kleptomaniacs. Whereas the other side is you just make 20 investments and then you sit for 50 years. I think well, that's I mean, way... A, there's, a bit, there's a bit more to it than that. I mean, it's not... I mean, I mean, they were, they were, I mean, the amount of research that, I mean, okay. Warren, in, yeah, but once they make was just reading. Yeah, but once you make the investment, John, you're not taking it out. Well, not in the short run, no. But exactly, but um, that's what I'm saying. Well, I but personally, I, mean, I personally cannot sit for 50 years and just like not change. Like, well, that's not really what. That's not really like what. Like that's a, that's a pretty sim, like simplistic way of looking at it, don't you think? Like it's not it's not clearly just sitting on your ass for fifty years. That's not that's not really. What well, we're well you make about. twenty really smart investments and you let them grow exponentially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. It's just that simple. Well, he, but Warren Buffett those says investments is not simple. No, I never said finding them was simple. I'm just saying once you have them, once you have your winners, like you're done. You just sit. Well, if if they continue being winners, right? I mean, that's where the Andrew Grove book comes in. Only the paranoid survive. It's like you kind of have to watch your shit. Like, uh, you know, you have to put all your eggs in one basket, but then watch the basket kind of thing. You know? I don't know if Warren Buffett would agree with that. Uh, I think that's actually. I don't I think, think he would say Charlie. watch the basket. Yeah, I think that's. I think that was a quote. But uh, hold on. Point being. Point being. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Why do you think that you're so inclined more towards the entrepreneurial? Because it's more fun. It's just way more fun. I feel like my life has more of a purpose. I'm more ADD. They definitely like make for just... really good stories. No, it's just, I don't know. I, I just feel like we're, it got to a point where, look, man, for me, you know, different people have like different fulfillment. For me, rolling out of bed and going, all right, we're going to paint 16 walls today. Like, what? It just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, it, it didn't make sense. Whereas now I roll out of bed, I'm like, okay, now I have to put together a mindset week where I have to think about, you know, the past three, four years of my life and think back to what were the core pillars of my mindset that allowed me to be successful and how can I put that into four videos so that I can teach others so that they can also grow and build successful businesses. Like, dude, that's a problem that I would love to solve much yeah. more than, oh, I think we need to buy a new roof rack because we need more ladders. Or well, oh, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, you're you're, you're making, you're, but obviously you're you're. I know, I know. Speaking optimistically about one, and you're speaking purposely negative about another. So I mean, you're you're not you're 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 discounting one while promoting it. <laughs> like you're, you know, what I mean, like you, I'm sure you could find similar like good things about one industry and good. But I think that one yeah, totally, thing that's interesting, yeah. yeah, one thing that's really interesting about a lot of, like, the, I, I made this observation recently where it's like, you know, there's no lineup at the gym. Like, if you want to go to the gym, <laughs> like, you, like, there's not a lineup. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can just walk in and you can pick a machine. I mean, right? Like, there's no lineup at the gym. <laughs> Dude, that's a great... That's awesome. It's it's not super exciting. It's not where do you like, come like, up with this shit? The man? gym is not super glamorous, but this I'll tell you what, what happens. When there's you a bunch always of there's always a fucking lineup at McDonald's. You drive by any McDonald's, <sighs> there's always a lineup, man. 
And it's like, I always think to myself, it's like, you know, like there's so much competition in what's glamorous and what's glorious. Um, and there's not that much competition in the things that are sort of like dull and boring. But like, I think that, I don't know. Um, like in the same way that it's challenging to like, I mean, there's a lot of like, me- you know, like a lot of mental hurdles you have to get through to stick to one, th- you know, one business and just keep pounding it and, and keep digging knowing like, you know, you don't know when you're going to strike gold, right? Like you don't know when your business will finally make it right. And you just keep digging and you keep digging and you don't quit. You just keep digging. Right. It's a, it makes for a fascinating story. Right. I mean, you know, um, like Phil Knight's book is fascinating. And I, and it, you know, I, when I was reading the book, I couldn't help but think that it was, it was, um, there was a there was a joy in reading in the sense that like you know like if you like you can imagine you're standing up straight and you start leaning forward okay and keeping your feet planted eventually you're gonna tip over just enough that you reach out and grab yourself with your foot right you're gonna put your foot yeah, forward yeah. And, and right you know like that perpet like that like, like that but like the Michael like Jackson sp- move yeah yeah but 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 very most importantly though there's a very split second okay I mean like just a fraction like a nanosecond where it's like. You have to decide, am I going to step out or am I not going to step out? And then there's a moment right before, and then you step out, right? Okay, that reading shoe dog, you felt like you were perpetually in that thing. Mm. Like just, you were like, like you just, yeah. you didn't quite. I think you know a better I mean? analogy, you know, when you're like leaning back your chair, like in class, like a, like a rocking And it's about it. to tip, yeah. And it's about to tip. Phil Knight's life was all, all about to tip, but like yeah. he never did. Yeah, I say, I see what you That's mean. a better analogy. Yeah, so there you go. Um, and, and so, but there's a challenge in that, right? Cause it's like, do you just lean back forward and get on all fours and oh, okay, you're safe? Or do you just teeter there? Right. Do you, do you find that sweet spot? Right. And then it's bliss. Right. I don't know. Um, but in the same way that it's challenging to also find, you know, pleasure in the mundane and, in in, 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 the virtues, right. Um, that, that really, uh, um, promote success in, I mean, in both for sure, but like the diligence and the prudence and um, the, re- I mean, resiliency on both ends, but especially the prudence and the diligence required to, you know, find things that most people find is boring and, you know, squeeze them from what's what your Myers Briggs? I don't remember. I wonder if this is a personality thing. Oh, dude, 100% it is. No, 100% yeah. it is. No, dude, for sure. I can't find joy There's in like... There's certain people these, that want yeah. it. Like, I'm like, I'll tell you right now, okay? When we were kids, I didn't hit jumps on my bike. Was not that kid, okay? Mm. Everyone else was hitting jumps. In their, I was a guy with the training wheels. I was like, I'm good. I'm like, why the fuck would I take these things off? That was my attitude. <laughs> like, why are it's you more guys fun. doing it? <laughs> It's faster. Yeah, I know, but I've always been that guy. I'm like, I've always been like, you know what? I don't need these training wheels off, right? Like, you guys are dumb. Like, why would you want your training wheels off? Like, th- this is way easier. You can ride in a straight line way easier, right? You got it. I see. I think this and that analogy finally made me understand your perspective perfectly. Like, there's certain guys like, that why like, want to get on the he, boat and travel across to the new continent. Yeah. And there's certain guys who get rich off making the ships, right? Or yeah, the, the guy, yeah, you know, the guys who, you know, the Vanderbilts. Yeah, yeah, like those kind of. Although, I mean, Vanderbilt was a pretty swashbuckler, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So, John, your perspective basically is: Why are you overcomplicated? It's right in front of you. Do what you need to do. Why are you trying to find this fancy stuff? Just go to work. Do this thing that you know works. No, I think I can understand why someone would want to. It, it certainly seems way more exciting. And I'll tell you this: um, 
there's there's probably a reason why they don't there's not movies about you know <laughs> these guys that are like slow and steady wins the race like there's just they don't have them they, uh. right? they, they, there's books about the big short you know there's movies about the big short you know uh wolf of wall street you know wall street money never sleeps like there's all these books about or movies about these guys risking it right the founder right um i'm sure there'll be a book about or a movie about uh, elon musk right like there's, there's these exciting stories right like the the conquerors the adventures right but um i don't know when you read enough history it seems like you know mm. it, it seems it seems like uh story about fred which just goes to work at, at adm for 50 years <laughs> Not really an exciting story yeah, well, well, I mean, I mean, there's certainly excitement at times. I mean, I think like there, there is, there, I mean, there is excitement. I think that it just comes in shorter spurts. But um, I think it's a human thing. It's our human nature to to like progress, and usually progress is more manifested with risk. Hey, listeners! Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Weekly Call. We just have a quick yet very important message for all of you. The three of us are currently actively in pursuit to find young, ambitious, and like-minded people that are interested in business management and business ownership roles. Roles that three to five years ago put Austin, Ammer, and John in a place where they could learn, grow, and optimize their discipline and habits. These positions are available all across Canada, so it doesn't matter if you're in Victoria, British Columbia, or St. John's, Newfoundland. There is an opportunity where you are located. If you are interested in working directly with Amher, Austin, and John and learning what it takes to run an efficient and scalable business, please drop us a line at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com, all one word, for more information. Now back to this episode of The Weekly Call. Yeah, there's something fun about rolling dice, you know? Like, I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. So what's the lesson here? What's your, what's your takeaway? Because I, I think it's funny, like you can have this perspective in, in different ways. Like I don't have, like I think I'm more conservative in my investments than you. I would never, I wouldn't put my money in the stock market. I just keep it in crypto, whereas you put it in the stock market. <laughs> dude, that's like, no, but dude, that, no, but like, this, this, Wait, like, did I say could... crypto? I meant real estate, my bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I have my money in I just have Sorry, my money. I was in real say, estate. that couldn't have made my point any more clear. So I say, yeah, no, no, I, I misspoke. I misspoke. I was doing some crypto okay. stuff this week. Just I, I bought crypto three years ago, and like Bitcoin is up, and I finally sold it after three years, and I just broke even. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was about to say like my my vocation may seem more risky, whereas my investments are as conservative as they come, where you are a bit. You know, you're still a bit conservative, but definitely riskier than I am because you have stuff in stocks. Yeah, I mean, like as a generalization, I don't know. I don't know if I would say like stocks or real estate or one of the others realist, like is riskier than the other. I would, um, I think you could, I think, I think you could sit here and argue forever which one's riskier because like in real estate, yeah, like, I, I mean, here's one really basic example in real estate, typically using like leverage. Whereas in stocks you're not. So it's like, you know, so I don't know if you could argue one way. I, I would definitely say like the, um, like what, well, here's the interesting thing, right? Like, it's like, it's like, it's not what you go into. 
uh, that makes it risky or not. It's it's how you go about said task that makes it risky or not risky. Like there's people who could go risky in painting. Like I, I know a company that's taking a lot of risks in, in the painting industry and, and it didn't pay off by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. They lost a ton of money this year and, it, and, and, and they tried revolutionizing something and they tried changing some things and tried doing things a slightly different way um, and it didn't work out, right? And, and, and they took on a ton of risk that way. Um, that maybe someone like myself didn't take and, and, it, and, and it had different results, right? Where you look at someone the like- robot um, that paints a room. <laughs> well, no, they were they were just playing around with the, the business model slightly, like, you know, uh, just different, in a sense, de-verticalizing. Like they were going trying to go more horizontal. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah, so they were trying to just fill one niche in which obviously like as a paranoid person, I'm, I'm taking a close eye and I'm looking at it because like, you know, even one thing actually interesting enough, even one thing Andy talks about is like, you know, if something starts and it fails, like don't treat as if that's like how everything after that's going to be like for that part of the industry. Like, so for an example would be like, like the first TV probably sucked. <laughs> Right, he's like, he's like, he's like. Uh, Andy said he's like the fir- the first um, edition of anything. You have to act as if it's ten times better than it is now, and then would that scare you? Right. So like, if 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 like, if the first electric car was a piece of junk, which it was, what if it was ten times better? Ooh. Right. What if it was ten times better? Then would it scare you? Okay, it would. Okay, you should probably you should probably look at that. You should probably look into it. If it's, if, it, if it's ten times better than it is now and it's still not scary, you could probably like, you know, you probably like wait, right? Huh. Interesting. And I kind of like I kind of liked that um, that that concept. So I, I am like so I I did look at the business model and I'm like interesting. I'll see like if it was ten times better, maybe it could actually be a pretty big revolutionary change to the industry. We'll see, right? But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the guy that banks on it, right? Mm. And that's strictly talking about innovation. Uh, yeah, like things that would change the. I mean, buying. I mean, consumer behavior could definitely. Like he talks about consumer behavior a little bit, like how people can make different buying decisions, right? Um, like a good example of this would be like when when people initially were buying computers, they were so like foreign and so um, beyond their like their scope of knowledge that people just bought whatever was available and they didn't really care about what was inside of it so much whereas now that's just simply not the case like people really do care about what's like what's inside the computer like that's a huge thing for the modern consumer right like this processor versus that processor versus this graphics card versus that graphics card right whereas when you first bought a computer you didn't care like it was all the same you know it was commoditized whereas what intel did right was like and they and they they were on the winning side of this is that people wanted Intel because they knew it was a good processor. They didn't want that junk processor that you could get for cheaper. They wanted Intel, you know, whatever it was, 386 yeah. is their mo- the model they had or 486. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Oh, here's this book. I wanted to ask you if you read it. You ever read this book? High Performance Habits. <sighs> Brendan Bouchard. Oh, you know, Matt Andrews always talks about that. You haven't read it yet? You know, it's interesting. I, um, you know, why I haven't. Because <laughs> somebody gifted to you? <laughs> no, no, do you know why I haven't? Is um, 
it's so interesting how, how these things come full circle. There's this documentary guy that I really like. His name's uh, Louis Thoreau. Have you ever heard of him? It sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, he, he did a bunch of different documentaries. I would, I would, I really like his work. He did a bunch of like interesting documentaries uh, for the BBC, um, you know, all different sorts on prisons, on, uh, you know, Sahara, Africa, hunting, you know, parties, um, you know, all different kind of stuff, right? Um, Scientology, he did a really interesting documentary in Scientology and uh, brothels, all that kind of stuff. And one of the documentaries he did, actually, there's one on, uh, on, gambling in in uh in uh, vegas that you have to watch it's so good um but he also did one on the self-help industry and this was back in like the 90s take in mind and do you know who's one of the guys that he uh he followed and i mean it didn't make the guy look very good tony robbins brendan bruchard oh yeah Oh, yeah. It was Louis really what? interesting. Louis Thoreau. L-O-U-I-S-T-H-E-R-O-U-X or something like that. Something like that. Mm. And watch that. It's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um, and if, and it, I think it was Brendan Bruchard. Oh, man, I, I'm going to feel like a complete asshole if it wasn't that guy. But I'm pretty sure it was. Louis Thoreau. Uh self-help i don't know what the title was of the episode if you type in uh louis throw brennan brichard i'm sure it'll pop up but interesting it's really interesting video of um of like them going to a bunch of this guy's seminars and it got really awkward let's put it that way awkward i'm super skeptical of that entire industry i really am a lot of these books high performance habits and things like that there's one I, i found one about hypnotists is that it no, no, it's not. Um, it seems like people would be better off just reading history. It's not as, it, it's not as fun though, right? Like there's a book that's like high performance habits. There's another book that's like change your life in 30 days or think and grow rich versus, <laughs> you know, House of Morgan. It's a 700 page bomber of just like financial history. It's like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sell as many copies, man, you know? Right, the richest man in Babylon. I mean, it's a good book, but I mean, it's not the same as like reading about the rise and fall of people's wealth, right? It's just not as history books just aren't going to sell as much, right? They're just not as exciting. John, I'm I'm trying to find this. The only book that kind of falls into this into the Mm. exception of this that I can think of is Musashi. In in that book has sold a lot. Well, it sold a lot. In Japan alone, it sold 120 million copies. Musashi, 120 million? Copies, yeah. Dude, what's the population of Japan? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been, the book's been around for a long time, but uh, Japan, I don't know, maybe like 30 million or so? No, it must be more. It must be like 50, 60 million. Because I think Tokyo is like 25 million. Dude, it's 130 million. Yeah, so essentially, I mean, now take in mind the book's been around since the 60s or something like that. So I think it's probably, you know, I mean, that's not, that's still a lot of books, but, you know, it's interesting. Actually, here's something for you, Amber. I don't know if you knew this. Do you know the best, like New York Times bestsellers list? Have you heard of that, obviously? Yeah, you can buy that. Oh, for sure. Matter of fact, a lot of people like will purpose, like, you know, like, the, you know, like that whole, like, uh, like 
buy my book but like don't pay for it but i'll, I'll just pay sh- like just pay shipping that's what they're doing yeah they're just trying to boost their sales yeah so they can say i sold a hundred thousand copies of their book like that's like that's dishonest in my like that's not like that's not genuine right they're just trying to boost their sales numbers right but no what's interesting is in, in ryan holiday uh, i have to give credit like he's the one that kind of pointed this out it's like when, when someone's like, oh, it debuted number one New York Times bestseller. That's not the number one bestselling book in America. That's just just according to New York Times, that's what they're saying. But like the number one book each year is like, well, one, the Bible, okay? But like The Great Gatsby, like these kind of books, like those books sell hundreds of, th- like Ayn Rand's um, uh, Atlas Shrugged. Like these books sell hundreds of thousands of copies and they're not even mentioned on these, right? These lists. Why? They're perennial sellers, but they're not exciting to mention, right? People want to know about you know blank blank's new book wow t- t- 10 best books of all time well the bible is probably the number one best-selling book of all time war and peace yeah by uh um Dostoevsky. yeah no leo tolstoy oh my bad sorry there's two russian authors that i always get confused yeah, Dostoevsky yeah. did um the gulag archipelago my bad you have Tolstoy the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Hamlet, yeah. Great Gatsby. Yeah, yeah. In Search of Lost Time, Middle March, The Stories of Anton Chekhov by Anton Chekhov. Yeah, Anton Chekhov uh, is like one of uh, Robert Greene's favorite characters in history. Yeah. Anna Karenina. That's by Tolstoy as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's Madame Bovary. I've never heard of these books. I know. Well, you know why the the Russian books sell because like all of Eastern Europe, including Russia, just buys those books every year, right? <laughs> yeah. The Brothers Karamazov is probably on there. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Musashi would be on there probably, like if you looked far enough. Yeah. But interesting enough, like those are the best selling books every year, right? Great Gatsby. It was a great movie, but it wasn't life changing. Here's here's another example that I was reflecting on recently. I read this this article that was talking about, you know, The Queen's Gambit? It's like a movie on Netflix. Have you heard of that? I don't think it's a movie. Isn't it a series? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't actually know, to be honest. I just, it just yeah, said Queen's either. Gambit on Netflix. I don't, I don't know. But either yeah, the point yeah, being, yeah. it talked about how The Queen's Gambit, I guess, like did really well. Like it had like 62 million viewers or something like that, or 62 million people have watched The Queen's Gambit. I don't know how many episodes or how long or whatever, but you like 62 million. It's a pretty big success, right? I think. But you anyway, it, it, it talked about how like the article was basically just the gist of it was like, wow, like this guy, like, you know, for 30 years, apparently he's been trying to get this, this, this movie on the go or this, this series on the go. And he had to rewrite the series or the, the movie like nine times. I'm just gonna keep acting the movie. He had to rewrite the movie nine times and pitched it to like, you know, hundreds of, of, um, you know, producing studios or whatever movie studios and finally he gets it through to netflix netflix picks it up and then it is a success and you know this is i mean this is just me being you know maybe somewhat pessimistic but i'm thinking myself it's like you know i don't know what he was doing in the meantime you know but i have to think it's like 30 years like i don't know how much money he made off this right like i don't i don't know how much money you make off of 62 million views on netflix but i can't imagine it's much more than 10 million bucks or something like that but i mean you know correct me if i'm wrong i don't know but you gotta think it's like so after that many years he finally gets a payday and it's taxed at the highest fucking rate because he had because all of his income was in one year versus if it was spread out over 30 years right so he gets you know half lapped off the chop 
or off the top. And then if you divide that by 30 years, it ends up being like a, you know, a good income, but like an average income, like a above average income. But like they sell it as like this like glamorous, like crazy, like success story. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, but like the accountant that was just grinding did just as well. Hmm. Oh, John. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know either, man. But like, of course, but, there's more glamorous than saying 62 million views on you know, my, my Netflix series. It's like, wow, shit, man. Like, if it took you 30 years, it's like, I don't know, right? I mean, maybe the next one will come quicker. I don't know. Probably. Well, probably. this example is heavily dependent on his paycheck. So let's see. Queens. I don't know. So you said the is. producer or the book? The Queen's Gambit. It's a novel. Which one are you talking about? Which guy are you referring to? Uh, Scott Frank, who, Alan whoever, Scott. I don't know actually. I don't know the article. I, I was just sort of reading it. It was just talking about the Queen's Gambit. The I didn't really focus on the guy's name. So Queen's Gambit success story. Yeah, something like that. Real life story parallels that. No. Uh, oh, how the Queen's Gambit became the unlikeliest hit of the year. Yeah, something like that. That's probably that's. I don't know which article exactly I read. Oh, here we go. 62 million. The number is right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So Scott Frank yeah, that guy. Is, is one of them. Let's see. Scott Frank net worth. Oh, if he has a partner, that's even worse. <laughs> he they, has a partner. He does. They had to divide it. <laughs> uh, oh, John. <laughs> what? Uh... Scott's Frank net worth is estimated to be $4 million. And that's an estimation. So, I mean, we'll see. That's, yeah. But that just proves your point even deeper. I don't know. 30 years, you said? Something like that. That's what the article is saying. Like 29 years, I think it was. I just rounded to 30. But point being, like, like, there's all these stories. But, like, you know, that's a good book, right? The good book is, like, he kept pushing, kept pushing, right? But, like, they don't write books about the guys who just, like, you know, like, like, I, 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 like another one is, like, uh, like they don't write books about joggers, right? <laughs> well, there's David Goggins, but, yeah. Yeah, they don't write books about runners. But you know what they do write books about? They write books about, you know, tennis players and basketball players and things like that, right? <laughs> no, there's, there's David Goggins. What are you talking about? I know, but he's. But the book is not about him running, really. It's. I mean, there's there's the parts of it, sure, but I mean, it's not. It's mm. not really what, what we're talking about here. I mean, there's a lot yeah, more but, to his book than the running. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah, John. If if we were robots, just purely robots, then stuff like this would make sense. The accountant who's just grinding. But we're not robots. These are just merely fun. observations that I've been making lately. That's all. It's, they're very interesting. I think you would be able to put together a good book based on this thesis. What's that? I, I don't know. I think if you come up with the right title, it would sell a lot of copies. I think it would also resonate with a lot of people. I think this book that you're kind of, this thesis that you've come up with, um, the, I don't know, the, the unsung hero or the unsung entrepreneur or the unsung success story is the accountant... Well, it's didn't almost quit his like, job for 40 years. Yeah, well, you know, it's like uh, um, what they don't tell you about like war heroes is they die. Yeah. Right. Like what they like what they kind of forget about telling you is like how gruesome their death was. Yeah. 
Like, you know, it's another example is uh, The Irishman. Remember the ending of that? That was a great ending. I, I didn't watch The Irishman. So, is that good? Should I watch it? It's good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a pretty long movie. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, but basically like at the end of the movie, they just show how there's no glamour in the end of a gangster's career. Like it's just, yeah. they get old like the rest of us, but then like, they're just like sad. You ever watch Uncut Gems? <sighs> dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated that movie. Dude. It was so stressful. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. I know. I know. That that reminded me too, way too much of things. I was like, oh my God, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a life out of integrity. Oh my god. That yeah, that's basically all that movie was, hey. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you have a concept here that's very interesting that I think you should develop a bit more. Ah, I this is I, I would say that this is like this has only been aging for like a couple couple maybe like a year or so. No, but I could tell there's like something there that I would actually be fascinated in if you were able to develop a bit more. Well, Ultimately, there's there's books that I've read that have you know influenced it. So ultimately, like you know, those books are worth reading. Yeah, but I still am fascinated that you don't think writing a book is worth your time, or you know, well, you're maybe in eventually, it. but certainly not right now. <laughs> it's like the worst business to get into. <laughs> no, not as a business, as a as an ideology to share with people. I do write. There you go. I write. Actually, do you know who I write? Um, there's this. There's this one uh, listener actually who writes to me, and uh, she gets she she actually coaxes me. She, like she she out of everyone that write um, that writes to me, she usually gets the longest responses because she asks the best questions. Does her name start with a V? It does. Yeah, yeah. Valerie, shout out Valerie. Yeah, shout out Valerie Simka. She hits me with these like super long emails but then i take the time to respond to them i'm like oh sweet yeah yeah, she's cool very smart actually here's something new i um have started and i I think i'll continue declining phone calls did you get matt andrew's email uh i did but that's but not but not in that way that's not what i was talking not no matt lost his phone and and i think that his I think his life definitely suits him ditching the phone. And I definitely want to strive to get to that point. I actually want to get to the point where like, I just like, you know, the whole like letter mail, you know, I live up in the mountain, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, what yeah. I was talking about though is um, like, I, I feel like I, I have so many people in my life um, that like aren't real friends, if that makes sense. Like as in they're like, it's, it's solely like, what can they benefit by talking to me, picking my brain you know, like getting, getting as much value from me. And I, and I started realizing I kind of went down this list. I'm like, you know what, all of like, you know, there's a long list of these people that like literally offer zero shit back to me. And matter of fact, it's even worse than that. I was like, there's like, there's people that like, um, like I'll, I'll give you an example actually, like of like, like, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. of a, I just want to clarify a- something. These people are not bad people, nor do you hate them. You just don't call them friends. Um, yeah, no, of course. Like, no, no, okay, there's cool. no hate. There's no hate here. There's no hate. Okay, there's good. No hate. I want to clarify no. that for you. No, but I do, but I do think that, um, there is like, uh, like a, a slight bit of deception and I'm not talking about like, Hey, like rookies that you call me, call me anytime you want. Like I'm always, I'm always willing to help out a rookie. Okay. No, I'm talking about the people that like try and position themselves as if they're like a brother, as if there's a friend when in reality, it's like their actions show otherwise, you know? And I'll give you an example of a guy who, you know, I've been, you know, uh, I had, a, I had a bit of a relationship with over like, uh, over the last like year and, you know, innocent enough relationship, nothing much, but, you know, um, 
you know, after all of these, you know, all of these interactions that we've had, you know, of, of, of getting to know one another and, you know, most of it being of which like it was usually positioned as like me giving it him advice. Like a lot of times why he wanted to meet with me is like, Hey man, like, can we go like chat? I just want to like get some advice on some things. Right. And, and it was a lot of me sort of helping him on things. Okay. He was, he was just a couple more years earlier in, in, in the rotation. This is not, he's not an operator or anything. Like he's not in business that way, but either way. Um, and that's a lot of what the conversations were. And a lot of like, you know, he was, re he was new to Kelowna. So like a lot of it was like me, like introducing him to the right people so he can achieve his goals with what he was doing. Okay. Like, and me really helping him out with like connecting with the right people, sort of. Okay. And, um, and I found out that he fucking hired another, like he, he hired someone to paint his house and, and, um, like, and didn't use me. And, and I, and I heard because he's like, oh, yeah, like I, I like got my basement painted. And I was like, oh, like what? Like who, who you know, but worse than that, he like because he like when we were talking like about all this, like because I knew that he was doing some renos. He said, yeah, yeah, I do. Like when the time comes, like I'll get you in. You can give me a quote for the painting of the basement. And I said, yeah, no worries, man. It's all good. Right. Sweet. Didn't fall through. He hires this other guy. And I was like, out of care. I'm like, what's the price? Double iron. He ended up paying more than like what I would have charged anyways. Like he didn't even get a good deal on it. But and and he's like, well, he's like, well, the reason why I use this guy is because I just figured he'd be cheaper. And I and I thought to myself, like, really, like that's, you know, like that's it, like that, like so, like, like, like that's all it takes, so, like you know, like you you like our friendship, like you literally just like, as soon as you can save money, like that's that's you're just gonna ditch a friendship like that, right? And I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of like a, but like at the same time, I was like, okay, maybe you know whatever. But then I was like, you know, I thought about some more. I was like, you know what, like, no, like, like, like there's there's um. Like I have a lot of friends that own businesses in Kelowna and I wouldn't even think twice. Like it wouldn't even be a matter. I wouldn't, there would be no price shopping. There'd be none of that. Like if my friend is in a business, I'm using that business, right? And, or at the very least, I'm going to be like, I'm going to consult with him on the, on the service that I'm looking for, right? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe my friend offers a service that like is well beyond, you know, like if my friend, for example, like works in a Mercedes dealership, he's just not getting my business, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just like, if I'm in the car business or if I'm buying a new car, I'm not buying from Mercedes. So if you work in Mercedes, you're just in a different ballgame. But, you know, I'll introduce you to people that want Mercedes or whatever, right? Mm. Um, Wait, do you think there's an obligation to do business with your friends? I, um... That's what that sounds like. Yeah, I do. I do, I do think there is some... I do think there is some obligation to, uh, in that situation, to... to uh, yeah, I do. Like, how would you feel if I went and hired a different consultant than you without even mentioning anything to you? It wouldn't make you feel good. And like, I know you could sit here and say, no, it wouldn't. It would. It would bug you. Like, you'd be like, wait. Like, imagine wait, it I would went bug in. me. I no, I'm, not imagine, I'm not denying no, but imagine, that. Well, imagine I want to hate you. No, but I know. No, no, I'm not hating this guy. There's no hate here. But like, no. but if you're going to sit there and call me a brother and call me a friend, but meanwhile, it's like you're helping out one of my competitors. Dude, we're not brothers. We're not friends. Like, that's not what that is. Like if I'm connecting with all these people, helping you with things, and then meanwhile you're going in like the one, like the one area of expertise I'm in, you're going to backfire. Like imagine I went in and, and imagine I went and hired Breakthrough Academy, dude. You you it wouldn't mm. right like it, it wouldn't sit well with you. Um, it wouldn't sit well with you, and it's like I um, yeah I don't know, things like that. Mm. Like but like that's one specific situation. 
I don't want to get too caught up on that. But like, there's that's one specific like, things like that where it's like these people say they're friends, they say they're they say they're brothers, and they position themselves, and it's like their actions don't support that, right? You find out that they talk behind your back. They you find out these things, and it's like I don't know. Mm, I see. Gets, okay. get, you know, gets you feeling a certain way. You're like, you know what? Like these people that like like they're they're um like uh they're like chameleons you know like they, they want to like they're, they're constantly always looking how can they get the most from everyone around them right they're, they're constantly positioning themselves as friends they're constantly positioning themselves as your you know it's, it's like it's like the people with mlms that like message you know like hey hun you know or they're like or they're like hey brother Yo, how you bro, doing man like, like dude, no brother see. like i know you like long time no see man i know you're like smart and you're in business like i know i haven't got an opportunity for you it's like dude like don't call me a brother like that's not what this is right like and and, and it's like that, see, that's I what see. i mean right like the false it, loyalty no but like look at it, man like if 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 um people are obviously open to use what painting business they want to use but if you're positioning yourself as a brother and as a friend and as like you have each other's back you're not you're not using the fucking competition that's just not what you're doing right yeah let, let me think about this hold on i'll think of it of an example yeah actually if i'm in a colonna and i need painting yeah, I'm definitely not calling anybody else but you. No, that's like that's not even a hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, man. Like, like if I need a coach, like I'm calling, like I'm calling you. Why? Because like if I, mean, I don't need another coach, I'm not in the market for it, right? But like if I needed one, I you're the first guy I would at least call. I'd say, hey, yo, dude. Like I'll tell you what, like because maybe what you're offering doesn't isn't what I need. Correct. But then we would but then you be checked. like, yeah. But then we would check, right? But if the whole reason oh, why I didn't dude, use yeah. you, if you're not even checking, think about this. Imagine yeah. the whole reason why I didn't use you was just to save money. As in, I found the exact same product you were offering, but just because it was, just because I thought it was cheaper. It, it, that's not a bro move, man. You know what? I, there's a, a a similar person who uh, who I'm friends with who told me an exact story about how he uh, he had a friend. Uh, who runs a painting company and he's doing renovations at his house and uh you know this friend uh called the other friend who runs a painting company for a quote because he needs his house that's being renoed you know his basement to get renoed right it's like me calling you john Be like hey john I'm, I'm renovating my house can you give me a quote and you're like yeah yeah sure 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 i'll send one of my guys down and then you send one of your guys down instead of showing up yourself and the guy clearly doesn't know what he's doing, throws up like an obscenely high price. And then I would call you I'm like, hey, John, this guy came and he's telling me it's 20 grand for the basement. You know, I, I don't know, like I did painting. This doesn't seem right. If you want to check, take a look at it. And then you go, oh, no, no, no that's the price. That's what I you mean, dude. Like it's, it's um, yeah, yeah. okay, so I don't want to get too this caught up in weird. the weeds here. But point being one thing that like i'm definitely going to take a note of is like limiting these relationships where i realize it's like it's like these parasites they're just they're just latching on to me trying to like suck all the value they can but they have no interest they have they have they have none of my interest at all like they're like and you can see it in the the way that they interact with other people like i started like observe i started like reflecting like oh how do these people interact with other people that i know and it's always, what can I get from the person I'm speaking to? Mm. It's never, how can I help or how can I return or like, how are our interests aligned? It's none of that. It's always, you know, because I like, the, I have the real friends. Like I have you, I have Austin, right? I have like my buddy Tristan, like I have Jonah. Like these are real friends. Like I know that we have each other's back, but it's, it's interesting how many people try and position yourself as a brother. It's like, dude, come on. Mm. 
But like, I want I want to be so quick. Don't you feel a sense of obligation or responsibility in the position that you are to give back to people? No, for nothing you know in return. No, I don't, man. It's like I don't run a charity, right? And for those people who mm. want to run a charity, just remember, nonprofits and churches don't pay taxes. I do. <laughs> I mean, that's a factual statement. Hmm. You don't think good, that that will bring good karma, though? Dude, I help friends. <laughs> I help mm. friends, right? If our interests are aligned, man, you can bet your ass I'll work for it, right? Mm. Yeah. But it's interesting because like, you know, these people like they don't, they don't, they, the they art of saying if, no, the art of saying no. Well, it's not even, it's not even saying no, actually. It's not even, it's not even a saying, I mean, the no, no may be a thing, but like my, like, I mean, just asking questions. Like, you know, when someone's like, Hey man, like you're free for a, uh, like a, a coffee. It's like, Hey, I, w- w- what would you want? What did you want to discuss? Okay. Like, oh, oh, like you, you wanted to like pitch me on something or like, oh, you wanted like some advice on something. It's like, Hey man, like, you know, I, I would love to give you advice, but like. I'm also like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't meet with you once a week for a fucking hour. Like, like what, what is this? Like, what? Okay, that's extreme. Yeah. No, but like, no, but you know how many people like, 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 like uh, anyway, maybe, maybe I don't know. I've noticed this lately though. Like, it's like, it's crazy how many people are trying to pull my time. And, and there's no consideration of, of me. It's, it's all about them. Right. And it's like, uh, none of that. I'm not about this anymore. Right. Right. Like if, if you're constantly mm. asking me for people and like connecting you with people, but then it's like, I'm the connection to what you need and you don't even use me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So do you think a celebrity is obliged to give autographs and do f- photos? Cause celebrities are quick to be drawn out as, uh, as douchebags if they don't do that. Of course okay, not. John. I mean, they're not obligated at all. What the, they don't owe that. But at the same time, though, I mean, I think there's also a bit of like, a, you got to play your role, right? Yeah, but like, it's like, you know, hey, John, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm going to student works. I love your love your podcast. Can you give me an hour of your time? Well, rookies, say. rookies are usually more polite, though. Mm, okay, so I see what you're drawing into now. Okay, I'm glad we made that distinction. Yeah, like yeah, rookies. Okay. I love talking to rookies, man. Like Valerie, she's great. Like she emails me. She asks me questions and. And, and, you know, a lot of the questions actually are offering me value in the sense that she's like asking me things that I didn't necessarily think about, you know, like asking me about like, hey, but also it's like, she's like, hey, like I, like I finished those books that you recommended. They were fantastic. Like, oh, I love amazing. them. Do you have any more that's books cool. you'd recommend? It's like, yeah, no shit. I would have more like sweet. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, or, or, you know, but even she's like, hey, like, you know, like I understand like uh if you may not want to respond to this you know i'll be patiently waiting regardless and here's my phone number if you do want to chat on the phone right and it's like it's that's great because now she's giving me an option i don't have to respond right got it wow that's very interesting it's so funny man time i was being traded because i think what's happening here is is like you're just realizing, we're realizing how important time is and how valuable that really is. Well, time is really valuable, but so is like clarity. Like if you call me out of the blue and, the, and like the, the only reason you called me is to try and like get value like from me, like, like it's like, 
you don't think I'm doing something? Like, you don't think I'm reading? You don't think I'm like working? Like, you're just going to interrupt my day and just try and like suck value out of my Yeah, life but John, John, I'm not interrupting you if you don't pick up. For me? So just don't, like, I'm only interrupting you if you pick up. No, no, I don't answer. No, I know. But like, oh, but if you perfect. call okay. me, right, and, and I don't answer, and then you text me, hey, man, you free for a call, whatever. It's like, yeah, wh- what do you want to talk? Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 if I just called one of my random like customers and like, just like started blabbing. They'd be like, what are you doing? Right? God. Oh man, that's interesting. Like, like there are certain people when you call, like when they call you, you know there's gonna be something worthwhile, right? Like when you call me, I know it's gonna be worthwhile. Like I'll answer your phone call because I know that you're gonna be like, have an interesting idea or an interesting conversation or something like that, right? Whenever I see a missed call from you, I'm like, yes. I'm yeah, like, I get excited when I miss call from you, right? Or like if Corey calls me, I know it's something to do with work or whatever. He's, you know, something like that, right? If uh, Trisha calls me, I know it's like something urgent. I got to call her back, right? She she doesn't normally do that, right? Um, nice. If my mom calls me, like, you know what I mean? Like there's certain people you, when you call, but there's also like certain people like, like I know that like, um, like if my power washer calls me, I know that he's looking for more work, right? But that's fine. Like, so it's like, I'll answer like, hey man, I got no work for you. It's all good. He's like, oh, okay, sweet. Thanks brother. Right. And I hang up the phone. It's like, that's our relationship, right? But like if my entire relationship with you is literally you just like wanting to pick my brain constantly, it's like, dude, that's a shitty relationship for me half the time. Like, what do you mean? Like what? Hmm. I think this has mainly been highlighted too because of the, um, the frequency in like the rate in which that these you know, that people are, are reaching out and, and, you know, like, cause like for, you know, it's like law of averages, right? So like for every person that like, hears me, here's my ideas, there's maybe like, you know, X amount they're going to call me or text me or email me, right? Or write me a letter. Okay. But then of those people, there's a certain amount that like, that's like the only time. Then there's another amount of people that are going to call me, you know, once a month. Then there's the people that call me once a week. Then there's the people that email me more often or write me more often, right? So it's like, I could see like these people, like, I mean, not that I'm at all comparing myself at this level, but I could definitely see where like it could get like so in, like I could only imagine a celebrity. It would just be stupid. It would be stupid. It would just, it would mm. pull so much from your, uh, from your Sometimes life. I would, I would hear like YouTubers who would spend, they would say like, okay, for the next like, eight hours I'll be responding to this tweet or like for the next eight hours I'll be responding to comments on this video but it's only one video and you're missing a lot of comments and you're only talking to a specific part of your fan base so it's like yeah it just it gets insane but I still do feel there's an obligation that at least I have in this community to give my time it's like a, a an interest I have to pay on the success that I've had relatively that I just feel it's like I good feel karma. an obligation when the person has clearly done their due diligence. Mm. Like when Valerie's so like, mean? Hey, here's the books that I've read. Here's my questions. That's like, okay, you've put in like, you know what I mean? Like now you've put in. Oh, like, Hey John, I've listened to every episode. There's something I've been hoping you would say. You've never touched on it. Here's my question. Or Hey John, I listened to this podcast and I just want to say like, like here's, here's an example. Um, I got a message from a, an, uh, a, sorry, a video from a close friend of mine. Literally just, it was just a video. Okay. And like, I've been friends with this guy for like maybe about a year, maybe a little bit less and, um, sends me a video out of the blue and he's like, Hey man, I just want to say like, you know, you've made such a big impact in my life. I'm just so grateful for you in my life or whatever. That's, I'm like, dude, that made me feel so good. 
right? Yeah, like, yeah. what Those an awesome, are amazing. like, who takes, the, like, he took the time to just make a video, right? And it's like, that's amazing, right? It's like, yeah, I want to spend as yeah. much time with that guy as possible, right? Like, you know, who sent me Christmas cards, that kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I see what you mean. I think that's very fair what you said. But the same way with clients too, though, right? Like, I think that you could look at it from a client's perspective. It's like, you think about like the, you think about the contractor that like once they get the job, they don't give a shit about your serv- their service. They just they just care about getting the final payment. Mm. Yeah, that's backwards. Yeah, it's like, no, it's like they're not interested in developing a mutual beneficial relationship. They're just like, a lot of these contractors are just like, they just want it. They're just in it for the money, right? Mm-hmm. But those, but those contractors ultimately are stepping over loonies to grab pennies. If that's how they do business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a rant. <laughs> Anything else interesting in your week? Because I've I just been chilling since Christmas, just hanging out, doing nothing. You know, I, I don't know, man. I've been I've been reading need. a lot of reading a lot of good books. I'm reading a really interesting one right now. It's um, called Barbarians at the Gate. Again, this is the shit that I read. Right, Not, nothing super fun and Weird. exciting. It's uh, it's called Barbarians at the Gate. No, it's actually about um, it's about uh, a leveraged buyout of a company called RJR Nabisco. RJR oh, Nabisco. Being, yeah, you know, you probably know Nabisco. They, they, um, Animal Crackers, Oreo, um, mm-hmm. you know, those, 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 uh, those brands, um, and many more. And they also owned a bunch of like other companies as well. Um, and then RJR. Was, There's a book about a merger. It's not, no, no, it's actually not about a merger. It's, it's about a, a leveraged buyout, but, but, but it did talk a lot. Like the first like hundred pages or so were all about the mergers that like how, how Nabisco came Nabisco and how RJR became RJR, right? Like. How do you find that stuff interesting? Um, dude, it's just endlessly fascinating. All it is is just talking about the inner dynamics of companies and how they rise and fall. And mm. yeah, I mean, it seems like, uh, and, you know, I know this is actually like one of the biggest lessons I learned last year was like, just like through reading so much about history and like reading about dynasties and companies and things like that, or even just people's lives is that um, it always seems like it starts off with like a certain ideal, right? It starts off with like, a, like a, a principled um either like you know for a, for a company for example maybe it's a founder for a country it's a it's the the founding fathers the presidents right for a family it's the it's the you know the uh, patriarch you know it's the first strong male figure mm-hmm. um and they're principled they're disciplined right they have there's there's a set uh you know just expectation rules. yeah there's principles they live by right they're they're just hyper disciplined and they're very focused um on the task and very prudent typically very diligent very stoic like all of these things right and and, and there's this ideal that they live up to and 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 it brings them prosperity whether it be the founder of a company whether it be the founder you know the the patriarch of a family the you know the the founding principles of a country whatever it is you know and it, it, it rises like they rise because of this this disciplined and and um, powerful individual you know like it's like like something that I, I've been saying lately is like every family is just, just like one great man great woman as well but one great man away from a dynasty right like 
before Fox. before Cornelius, who was there, right? Before Junius Morgan, who was there, right? Before, you know, um, before uh, uh, John Morgan the uh, Third. Yeah, who right. Was before there? before who who was there, right? Like before um, you know Babalu, who was there, right? Like Louis Shell, like who who was there Babalu. before these who was there what? before these people, right? And uh, no one. So you're always one person away from this dynasty, and and and. and it seems like every person that succeeds, like succession, like the heirs, you know, like the next son, the next, the next grandson, the next, you know, son of that person, right? Um, you know, the next CEO, the next person that takes over the company, they merge, they do this, they do that. Like, um, and it seems like almost always, it seems like they move farther away from those ideals. They become a little bit less disciplined, a little bit less prudent. A little bit less, dis, you know, uh, uh, diligent. Um, but even within a man's life, it's like there's like the principles that, that bring you your success, and then you start doing a little bit more of, you know, of the, you know, you're a little, a little bit dis, less disciplined, you're a little bit less prudent, a little bit less diligent, like, and and you start resting on your laurels. You know, you you like you sleep on a on a win, and you wake up with a loss, right? And it's just fascinating to like see these rises, but the fall, it's always the fall. Yeah. I just, I find that I just find it because, because it, it's such a heavily neglected part. Like we yeah. all love, right? Like we all love the, the rise, but do you know what, man? I always fucking shed a tear when I watch Wolf of Wall Street. Like the, the fall always kills me, man. It's always that little bit off the back end. Right, like everyone's having fun, you know. But I don't know. It's it's. But that's the only the paranoid survive. It's like only I can't the help paranoid it. survive. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. Grab that book, everybody. It's a good book. It's cheap. It's uh, it's short too, man. It's thin. It's it's like it's big font. It's big font. You can read it. Wow. Easy in one sitting, no problem. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. It's been the weekly call. Any other closing thoughts there? No, I think that's it. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you for always being uh, very red. Is that the word? Well read. Thank oh. you for being well read. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, red. Yeah, thanks for being blue as well. You know, thanks for being well read. You know, it's always it's it's such a value that you provide. For me, like in my life and everybody listening, and it's making me, it's making me want to read. And uh, I think it'd be pretty, I find that I was thinking about this the other day, you know, it's, it's 2021, but there's like over 4,000 years worth of texts. And there's people who have gone through the past 4,000 years of texts and have said, here are the best ones and I don't read them. And it's just... And I kick myself in the butt for it. It's like, wait, what do you mean? Like, there's all these people, literally millions of people who've said, okay, this book sucks. This book's good. To the point now where they have lists that are pretty unanimous on here's good books and here's bad books. And then here I am. I didn't even read the top three books of all time. What am I doing? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like people are always wanting to read like the newest, latest, like self-help book. But I'm Doesn't like, make dude, sense. Dude, Sun Tzu said all you need to know 2000 years ago, right? Yeah. Take care I'm of I'm kind of curious about like Moby affairs. Dick. Like what's that about? 
everybody's well, talking about. Sure. Yeah, well, I Surely went on there's a, a book there. I went on a on a on a path like that for a while. I was reading, I was reading a lot of um, of those books. You know, like the, like you know, just. No, but you see what I mean? It's it's insane. It's like, like, the, like the Gulag Archipelago, for example. Like if anyone's ever feeling, it's interesting. It's like, um, I, I feel like there's a quote that's something along like the, along, along the lines of this. Like it's like in order to get out of the darkness, you have to like travel deeper into the cave or something like that. I don't know. Something something like that oh, of yeah. some sort, right? It's like, dude, like I remember like when I was like at the peak of like, you know, like not clinical depression, but like at the peak of like my like sadness, like downness <laughs> in my life. <laughs> like um it was like a couple years back i was like, like i was like a hundred thousand dollars in like tax debt and it was just it was a rough time because i was like you know like i had to like i basically had to have like the biggest year that i've ever had and even that would barely just get me out of debt you know like i so said i have to yeah, have like yeah, yeah. yeah you have to become a man you know, quick dude, i had to i had to fucking ball up for sure yeah for straight up not ball up that means smoke weed but yeah Oh, okay. That's not, yeah, I know. That's not, <laughs> no, no, I, I had the man up for sure. Like I had, I had to put on my big boy pants and, and, uh, and do it. Right. And I, and I read the, the Gulag Archipelago, um, by, uh, Dostoevsky. Soldier. Dostoevsky. No, 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 no. I keep, Tolstoy. I keep, dude, no, I, no, I keep Tolstoy. messing up. No, no, it was Soldier Nixon. It was Soldier Nixon. And, okay, not um, even close. Yeah, I know it wasn't <laughs> even close at all. Sorry, There's, all the Russian authors blend to me. Sorry, that's an amazing. Imagine having that problem reading so many books, you mix up the. <laughs> no, you, no, man. but all Honestly, the Russian, all the Russian novels, the, all of them are so sad and fucking depressing, man. You like, dude, Russian literature is so depressing. Like, so if anyone's ever like, dude, Russian, like, like you know, if anyone ever wants to know what communism does to a country, it gives you depressing ass books. Okay. Well, yeah. Think about all how how happy and like exciting American books are, dude. You don't want to go down the communism route. <laughs> capitalism Yo, like gives you excellent. some capitalism gives you some epic stories, dude. You know what Russia does? They give you some dark shit. Okay. Yeah. Like the death. They give of you Ivan, notes from the underground. The brothers Karmazov, right? The death of Ivan Ilvich. Like these are dark books, dude. The notes from the underground. Like these are sad ass books, right? <laughs> but either way, so I read I read the Gulag. That, that, yeah, that one sucks. <laughs> But okay, I read the Gulag Archipelago, and it's like um, that. That book is basically—I mean, take in mind there's three volumes. I only read the first volume, and the first volume is still like a thousand pages, and it's like a thousand pages of just pure misery. It's absolutely insane, and uh, there's like this stoic um, ex- uh, um, exercise where, if you're ever not feeling grateful, or if you're if you're ever feeling sad about where you are currently, you know, there's an exercise where basically you you just you just do negative visualization. So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you're, if you, if you're so disappointed that you did 200,000 in sales versus 250, it's like, just imagine if you, you know, if you finished at 40, imagine you quit after week two, right? Like, you know, you know, if you're oh, ungrateful, wow. right. If you're really ungrateful for something like, you know, cause they're like, um, if you're ever finding yourself like upset about something, just think about how many things that could have gone wrong that you would just for the, like you would just, you would give anything, you would pray for anything to be where you just are now. Right. And mm. I thought about that, right. I was, I was reading the Gulag Archipelago and I'm like, here's me, you know, like all sad and all upset because I made so much money that I owed money in taxes. Like I made enough money to be in debt hundred grand. You don't get in debt hundred grand with a CRA unless you made some money. It doesn't happen. Facts, yeah. Right? So so I'm sitting here reading the Gulag Archipelago and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it was like it was like a thousand pages of like negative visualization. It's like, you think you're bad, your life's bad? What if the only thing you <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if the only thing, dude, 
What if the only thing you could look forward to <laughs> was the one hour a day in Siberia that the sun shone through a slit the 20 vent. feet? Yeah, no, a vent 20 feet up in the air and it bounced off like the wall and hit you in the face. For one hour, you got sunlight just like just from here to here. Like, like, so like, you know what I mean? Like, like as in like, it was like a one foot window of, of, of sunlight and it wasn't even direct sunlight. It was like reflection light, you know? Oh my God. And you're sharing and you're sharing that one square foot, you know, of, uh, of sunlight with six other guys in the same room. Yeah. Six guys named Vladimir yeah. or six, seven. Yeah. And 300 um, pounds. And, uh, and no, but even, but it was interesting though, cause it's like, even amongst these, like these things that we would just be like, this is miserable, right? They found ways to like, be grateful. Like, like the fact that they were in a room with six people means that they got the largest cell. Wow. That was, that was one way they looked at it. Right. And, and then the other thing too, is that one of the things that they, that, um, I guess I'm kind of totally skipping the backstory here. I mean, I won't go too much into this. I know you want to head out, but, um, they were in, they were in, uh, prison for for ridiculous crimes um like like i think at one point it was like uh, i think like soldier nixon said like he's like yeah he's like if you were in jail it was for a law that you broke or a law that they haven't invented yet that you already they, they, they said you broke <laughs> yeah they could throw you in prison for anything yeah yeah they could they could throw you in prison for saying that they couldn't you couldn't throw them in prison because then you're then you're saying that they're not powerful and and saying that the yeah, government's yeah. not powerful in, in communist russia was was uh treason <laughs> so now you're in prison for treason <laughs> you know it's like so you know you could go to prison for anything right anyway um and uh so they're in this prison cell and and one of the advantages of having six people in the cell was that each person was entitled to one book per month so if you were in a cell by yourself, you had one book for the whole month. But if you were in a cell for six people, you had six books per month. Oh, and you can trade between each other. Yeah, you could trade books. Yeah. Wow. But that's but that's how hard they had to work to see the positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. How the heck did we get started talking about Gulag Archipelago? Because I'm talking about how, how these all these amazing books in in our in, in oh, the yeah. so, of the human period. Yeah, so like that's a book that's so random. Yeah. Like, how many people haven't heard about the Gulag Archipelago, right? Like, and, I know what the Gulag. I don't know what Archipelago means. It's like a landscape. Yeah, so it's yeah. the Gulag. Yeah, the Archipelago. Um, you know, there's all these books that are just so random that you can read. Like, uh, you know, I mean, just there's so many books that I'm just so grateful that were introduced to my life. And it's interesting how like these books are out there and they're like they're so cheap. Like in reality, like in, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I know, man. I know. Oh. I wish there was a way I could just absorb books without reading them. Because <laughs> that's what an audiobook is. Well, but then again, I, I zone out easier on an audiobook. Audiobooks, I think, are, are um, I think they're overrated. I think that there's definitely a time and place for them, but but ultimately, uh, there's there's something about a physical book. Um, well, one, I mean, the main advantage is that you're able to dive a lot deeper. Yeah, you can take your time with it at your own. No, place. no, 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 no. But what I mean though is like, like for example, if you're listening to an audiobook, you can only really skip back and forth like 15 seconds at a time, right? Mm. Whereas like if you're reading a book, you can highlight one word and you can just ponder that one word. You can linger on the word. Your mind can sit on that word. You can't do that with an audiobook. What are you going to do? Like replay yeah, the same yeah, word? Yeah. Like on yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you yeah. mean. I see what you mean. Like imagine it was There's like, more mobility and freedom. Yeah, you can read the same sentence like, like, 
literally 10 times in a matter of a couple seconds, right? Whereas it's it's such a hassle to dive deep in. You can't you, you can't dive into specifics with an audiobook. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. What are your thoughts on those uh, I, uh those uh, uh what do you call them? These products that give you summaries of the book. Like a 5-minute summary. I guess that's a pretty dumb question. That's a pretty easy answer. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, you know, I I think that like I I get the argument for them, you know, like it's like um you just can't go deeper. Yeah, obviously. You won't Well, no, but if you think much. about it though, like I I think there's a lot of books. Like you know, actually one of the questions that Valerie asked me, I think it was a really fascinating question. She said uh let me actually just pull up this question. I'll actually give my response. I'm gonna find this here because it was a really good. I thought it was a really good question. Yeah, here it is. So, she, oh, actually, you know, what? I would love to read actually my response here because there was two books that I gave. She said, "Here, here was Valerie's one of her questions." She said, "What are some books that had a couple really great ideas, even if the rest of the book may have not been worth it?" So essentially, like. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, that's a yeah, great question, yeah. right? And uh, both books had something in common. So here I said, I said, I said, Valerie, like two books come to mind. One is Napoleon by, I forget the author's name. <laughs> a thousand page biography has to be really good in order for me to get through the whole thing. This book was not that book. However, the rise and fall of Napoleon is fascinating to me as I'm always looking to learn from all angles of success. Napoleon's early success seemed to be brought by mere luck rather than tremendous skill, although risk-taking could be argued to be a skill in of itself, I suppose. One nugget uh, in particular stood out to me while reading this book, which is that being famous seems to be a hindrance to a long and prosperous career. This is actually one of my unmentioned until now reasons I have chosen to stay away from social media. The second book is The Power Broker by Robert Caro. Ah, The Power Broker, what a book. Once again, though, it is a, a thousand-page biography. The single nugget, oh, and oh boy, what a nugget this is, I pulled is a deeper understanding of surrounding idealism versus realism. As a young man, idealism draws you into its warm arms, promising the world to you. What the world ought to be like and how you can change it. Story after story reveals the truth, which is that highly risky and generally unproductive, sorry, story after story reveals the truth, which is that it is highly risky and generally unproductive to force your views onto the world. Power is what shapes the world. And without it, you will be another idealist who achieves nothing. Compromising is undervalued and settling has received a bad reputation as of late. Both are power moves when ex executed correctly. An example is dropping your price slightly to book a job rather than letting your rival book the, the job. In an ideal world, uh, people wouldn't do this. Uh, oh, I, I think that is actually Okay, sorry. In an ideal world, people wouldn't do what is in their best interest as an individual. Rather, what is in the best interest for the world in general. In reality, human nature drives us to do what is in our personal interest, and sometimes this comes at the cost of others' interests or the communities. Rather than trying to swim against the current of millions of years of evolution, we can accept this reality and use it uh, to, to our benefit by aligning our interests with others and working towards their those interests together and the example I, I used of this was the peace rate so those are two mm -hmm. books that i think um you don't have to read right now so don't go read 
a thousand page Napoleon biography and don't go read the thousand page power broker. I think what I said sums it up. So I think that there's actually tremendous value in, 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 in those services that provide summaries. I do. I do think wow, that I was not expecting that answer. Well, but I guess it, what I'm saying no, is it, 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 it depends like, on the I, book. I no, but yeah, it depends on the book. I wouldn't recommend for you to go read The Power Broker. I really wouldn't. Like what I just said, I think now take in mind, if you don't trust my summary, then you might want to go read the book. Or maybe you're really fascinated, you know, about idealism versus realism, right? Like it's something that I've been mm-hmm. really pondering lately, right? Um, I think that I think that actually at the at the core of the idealistic you know, versus realistic approach to life, I think is actually at the core of this businessman versus entrepreneur. I think that there's something there. I think there's similarities, there's patterns that, that I think are, are fascinating mm, to me. Interesting. Right? You know, it's like, um, I do think that uh, people who are, you know, too idealistic, just they don't achieve anything because they, you know, like for the reasons I mentioned there, like, you know, these people have these vast, grand business ideas. I think ultimately there is compromise. There is there is a bit of a settling aspect to things, right? Like you look at Elon Musk. I mean, none of his cars deliver on time. But like that's not to say like like that's him being idealistic, but he's also maybe realistic in other ways, right? So I think that there's a there's a compromise there, right? Um, mm. Steve Jobs being a huge I, I, you know idealist. I mean, everything was extremely, you know, high level for him. But then there was also some realism mixed in there too, right? So I think that there's, um, you know, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think is a What do you think is a good goal for me, for books, for the year? I was thinking of book a month, but where do I start? So, Man's Search for Meaning, I was able to fly through. That was a beautiful book. Flew through that thing. There was another book that I flew through. Let me open it. Um, Have you read Taiko? Oh, I read. I I flew through Musashi. I know, but but well, no. If you liked Musashi, have you read Taiko? No, dude. Taiko is almost better than Musashi, which. Like you know how much I rave and rant about Musashi, so it's actually by the same author, Eji Yoshikawa. Teiko, um, it's a similar story, but like I actually like, so I actually prefer the storyline of Teiko than I do Musashi, um, just because there's a lot more like military strategy in it, um, like at a higher level. Um, like Musashi is a story of an individual swordsman, whereas Teiko is the true story of how a sandal bearer went to being the supreme lord of Japan. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fucking epic story. Well, hold on. Here's here's another question. Is there shame in not finishing a book? Dude. Is it an obligation? So here, yeah, this is the question. No, is it the not. author's responsibility to make me want to finish the book or is it my responsibility to finish the book? Um, well, put it this way, like I like like once you Like the Black Swan. I'm not going to finish that book. No, dude, I'm like halfway through. I, it's boring. I, I, like, I half I don't read want a lot this books. shit. I half read a lot. Oh, books. okay. So yeah. okay, so that's okay. So that's normal. Dude, I, dude, there's zero chance that I'm, I mean, there's like, like, um, yeah, I mean, look at you, you're reading for a reason. Like I'm not reading to fucking fall asleep and get bored. Like that's not, that's not why I'm reading. Right. I mean, at night, certainly I would maybe flip open a book that I know is boring and I'll just pass out. Right. But you're reading to, um, improve your life, your life. And 
when I get mm-hmm. to a point in a book where I say, you know, because reading books actually, you know, interesting enough, um, you know why I think I enjoy investing in business so much is that um, reading books is actually a lot. And this is maybe why a lot of the best investors are reader, uh, avid readers. I think it, uh, reading is actually a lot um, like investing because oh that's i like i like that yeah to read a book to read one book is choosing to not read another book and not read a book book. oh oh, yes yeah to choose to read one book is choosing not to read another and of course there's thousands and thousands i mean there's millions of books available to you so ultimately i think that um certain books you know you get one or two pages in and you say no this is junk right the same way that like an investment like you know if you find out that they're, you know, you know, through the through the roof in debt, yeah, you don't you don't need to look at the rest of the financial statement. You're good, right? You don't need to know mm-hmm. who their management is. If you know that they're like, it's not, the financials are garbage, one or two pages in, yeah, stop looking, right? Mm. Um, some books, you know, are worth holding on to and rereading every year, right? Like you know, just like some companies are worth holding on to for years. Wow, that's great, man. And. Um, I used and, to feel guilty, like like I'm out of integrity for not finishing a book. No, but like the same way that like I don't think all clients are worth my business, and vice versa, I'm not worth every client's business, right? So I I think that there's no shame in in turning away work. The same way there's no there's there's no shame in turning away a book. But you know, um, I do think that you you want to go into reading books though with with an aim of of improving your life. I mean, otherwise, what are we doing? Hundred percent, right? Hundred percent. So, but once you, I, I don't know, I, like with the Napoleon book, for example, once I got halfway through I, I was like you know what like i get it like I, I, at least i thought i did maybe i'm wrong maybe someone correct me but like i i thought i got the gist of what i was trying to learn here like once i feel like i've got the nugget i'm out now in saying that some books are so damn entertaining that i just want to read the whole thing right like musashi mm. i mean well actually musashi's oh, dude. dude musashi's ending is possibly one of the most epic endings of any book of all time <laughs> and you you don't understand musashi until you read the last word okay and that doesn't, and, and, but but you also can't understand Musashi unless you read the first, the the third, the fiftieth, the millionth word. Like it, it, it's it's one of those books where you need to read the whole thing, right? You can't, you know, you can't go read the last page and get the whole book. You need to understand the the, the rise, the fall, the, you know, the perseverance. You need to understand the whole thing, right? The same way that Taiko, you can't just go read the part where he becomes supreme lord, right? Mm. I, I think a lot of times, um, one thing that I know really helps me with a book is like with finishing it is that if i know the ending but i still see value in reading to the end that's when i know there's a lot it's a really good book because nice yeah like i know the ending nice. of a lot of books and yet i still read to the end because i know that there's wisdom along the way right and and wow it's interesting too because if you think about it most of the wisdom is uh like is is, is going to be in the journey it's not it's not like when the person gets to the end Right, like the wisdom is is riddled along the way. It's not at the end of the of the book necessarily, mm-hmm. and that's why. Um, interesting enough, it's like uh, when I'm reading a book, it, it's it, but it's it's the same as running too for me, right? Like when when I'm running, um, the last thing I want to do is stop running. Like once I get into my groove, like I I, I enjoy like the art and the and and the and the um, athletic feat of running but in the same way that when you're reading a book it's like it's such a fascinating approach like i'm trying to decipher like what am i like i'm reading this book but like what am i trying to withdraw from it like what is the author trying to say to me like what like how is this going to interact with my life how is this going to interact with the people you know in 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 their lives but 
um, the last thing you want to do is like with a good book, the last thing you want to do is finish it. Like you don't want to finish a book. Dude, there, there's some books where I, I didn't want it to end. Yeah, so dude, like, shoe dog like was Musashi. Oh, Musashi yeah. was thirteen hundred pages, and I was like, "Please <laughs> yeah. don't end, please." Dude, edgy, no. yeah. Some uh, Ron take me Chernow. with you. Tell me the rest. Ron Chernow has got um has got a, a couple books like that because he's um he's a biographer, so he's got like some crazy books. He's got House of Morgan, um, and uh, he's also got uh it's it's one of my favorite books. It's Titan. It's about John D. Rockefeller. Yeah, yeah. Ty that's Lopez a book. Loves that book. That's a book that I stopped. Dude, that book's so good. That's a book that I stopped reading early too. Once it got to the part where like he was like a philanthropist, I was like, ah, I'm I'm okay. Like I get it. Like he gave away some money. I get it. Like awesome. Like you know, like I'm not there yet. Like I'm more interested in the rise, right? So, yeah. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Good shit. Great, great, great shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's been the weekly call. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's 2021. Pick up a damn book with me. Let's catch up to this guy. All right. He's obviously well read. You can tell. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom that he can use at his at his whenever he wants. And we gotta catch up to him. So if there's something we gotta learn from John, it's his love for books. And uh it's definitely rubbing off. So thank you, John. Thank you, listeners, and uh we'll see you next week. Hey listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, Ammer here. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I actually want to take some time and just make a small request. I'm sure all of you have been uh, following my journey on this podcast, uh, as well as on social media of building this consulting business on the side. And I have some great news. Uh, We're about to roll out ads this week. Um, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was extremely nervous. Uh, I am very nervous. I mean, this is really uh, a big part of the business as well we have been building up for. And um, a part of running ads is having a Facebook page. And that's usually where people go if they want to find out more. And currently, uh, what I've learned is that the more reviews a Facebook page has, uh, the better it performs. So I really hate to take up any of your time. However, uh, if you do have a, uh, you know, a minute or two in your spare time, uh, it would help me a lot if you can go to facebook.com and just go to Amr Abushakra fan, uh, and look for my public page. It's just my name, Amr, last name, Abushakra. It's a public page. Uh, it should have around 5,000 likes. Uh, that's how you'll know it's the right one. Uh, if you can please just go to the reviews and leave me an honest review Uh, If you've ever gotten value from anything that I've said, uh, if we've ever had a phone call together, if we've ever exchanged texts or DMs or emails, and you've you've gotten value out of some of uh, my experience and 
what I have to give and offer in the field, uh, then please, uh, it would really make a big difference for me and the business if you can just leave me a short review and uh, give us five stars. So again, it's on Facebook. It's under Amr Abu Chakra. Uh, the at is Amr Abu Chakra Fan. Uh, it's a public page. has about 5,000 likes. That's how you'll know it's the one. And um, yeah, it would uh, it would greatly help uh, help me out. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for supporting us as always. And uh, thank you for being here. And I, and I wish everybody an awesome uh, 2021 and an awesome day. Thank you so much.